You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. 1 Corinthians in your Bibles, please. 1 Corinthians in your Bible. Certainly enjoyed the music, all of it. Thank the preacher for the wonderful room and all the goodies. He takes such good care of us when we're here. And it's because of you folks. And I've been here enough times to get to know some of you and get to love on you a little bit and pray for you. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to come to a local New Testament church, Baptist church. Ain't nothing like it. Hear the singing of Zion one day. Can you imagine and in your mind, just imagine the great multitude singing to the top of their voices in heaven. It's going to be a time, our minds can't comprehend it. We really can't. But one of these days, very soon, soon and very soon, we're going to hear it. Either we're going to have the rapture or the rupture. I've been going around the country now for several years saying that we've entered into World War III. I've been saying that way before Ukraine been saying that. Something's got to happen between Ezekiel 38 and 39 before Armageddon and before the rapture. And I think that's where we're at. All the countries that are coming against Israel are now lined up on the border ready to get get with the program. Putin's involved. I never could put China in there, but I think China has something to do with the technology of everything. But it's right there. We're very, if you ain't got your, if, if we talk about nothing between me and the Savior, you better make sure that there's nothing between you and the Savior. And if you're going to get right, it's, it's time to get right with God now. Because one day we're going to face him face to face. And all this little trite stuff that kind of bothers church members at times is not going to be so important when you face him. And so, boy, it's good to be right with God and, and uh, be a part of a church and be involved for sure. Good to see the Fergusons here, uh, our missionaries. And uh, good to see you, Brother Jack. Always a joy to see you and your wife. And we love them very much. I, I, stories just overflowing right now. Not only about the Fergusons, but of course your pastor. I didn't get anybody to take me up on this morning uh, about uh, blackmail. But I'm, I'm available again tonight if you want to know all, anything. Anything you want to know about your pastor, you see me. For a couple bucks, I, I'll spill the beans. I, I ain't for sale, but I rent cheap. <laughs> but he was a good guy. He really was. Uh, not really. But anyway, but anyhow, so thank you so very much. And I'm so pleased to be here and uh, see what God is doing here. It's just really wonderful. Makes me very proud. Across, I used to pray, of course, um, I used to pray that God bless our preacher boys in, in, in the United States, but they're all over the world now and doing great jobs. Uh, missionaries all over now out of Providence Baptist College. And so God's been very good to us and uh, we love him for it for sure. Well, some of you, you know, the security system around here, preacher was showing some of the security system. It cost a little bit for that. Kim and I can't afford that. So I just did something else. I went online, I found out this, there's a way to have a wireless security system. This is how you do it. You want to take notes on this. It'll help you. Number one, go to a secondhand store and buy you a big old pair, an extra large pair of work boots, like a size 14. You put that on top of a gun and ammo magazine outside your door. 
And then you put a big dish, a big dog dish about this big on the front porch next to it. Then you leave a note on the front door that says, Bubba, Big Mike and I have gone to get more ammo. Be back in 15 minutes. Don't disturb the pit bulls. They've just been wormed and they're really, really mad about it. <laughs> that is a wireless security system. Amen. First Corinthians, stand if you can. If you possibly can, if you can't, don't worry about it. Just be seated. As I get older, when the preachers ask to stand out of respect to the Word of God, I respect the Word of God. Sometimes it's just hard to get up. But anyway, so, 1 Corinthians. If, if you'll allow me tonight, please listen to me carefully. I've been around for a long time and preached, I don't know how many times across the nation, 40 years. I pastor the same church and traveled just about every week preaching somewhere and now being retired. I'm not really retired. I'm retarded because I'm not stopped at all. I keep going. And somewhere I'm going to have to take a breath and, and slow down a little bit. But I, um, I can help you if you listen. In our generation, we have a bunch of rebels for some reason, just rebelling against authority. And you can't do that and ever be right with God. And I've been in enough churches to know that churches have their problems also. I also know that I really love you, Pastor. Love his precious family. Love you. But there's problems here just like any other church. And if you're looking for a church that doesn't have any problems, don't join it because you're going to be the problem. We all have that. There's no perfect place. There's no perfect pastor. He resigned two years ago. Y'all missed it. But anyway, um, there's no perfect place, no perfect pastor. But man, you can have unity. And when that's disturbed, you got a problem within the church. You got Satan working within the church. I want to show you some things in the Word of God that will help you if you'll just listen. Pick it up, if you would, in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. Pick it up in verse 10. Do you see it? Neither murmur, neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, all these things happen unto them, for example, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Go to chapter 3, if you would, please. Chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, pick it up in verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for yet are ye carnal, for whereas there is among you envy, Look at it now. Strife and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? Amazing. Sound man, turn me down just a little bit, if you would, please. I want you to look at it now. He talks about being carnal because within that congregation in Corinth, the church of Corinth, there was envy and strife and divisions and carnality. I want to speak a little while on the subject. When Absalom blew his trumpet in Hebron. So I want you to get over there, 2 Samuel 15, now if you would. And we're going to end up there tonight, 2 Samuel 15. Now, Father, I pray that you would help uh, tonight. I want to be a help and a blessing, a bit lengthy message, but uh, Lord, it's well worth staying and listening to all of it. And I pray, Lord, I'd be able to get through it tonight. I pray that you'd help, Holy Ghost of God. I pray that you'd have your will and way have free course in this place. Fill me, use me, forgive me, and help me, Lord, as I preach. I need you, please. 
do something in this church that would change some life forever. We ask you to continue to bless Brother Che and this good group of people. Pray that they'd understand the great burden that they have to reach this community. Pray that you do your work in our lives today and through this week. We ask in Jesus' name and amen. I have now, you may be seated. We have now for these many years received phone calls from preachers. And many times their church is on the verge of, of, of splitting. And many times their hearts are broken. It's happened multiple times over the 40 years that I've pastored. And many times when I chat with those preachers, I always find this out that uh, they're well-meaning people. They're not bad people. They're well-meaning people, but they're untaught people. One of the greatest things you'll ever do is get in that book and learn that book and understand who you're supposed to line up with and who you shouldn't line up with. They didn't know enough Bible to know who to side with. And when a church is about to split, I always tell the preacher, what's the problem? And I feel him out, try to find out what it is. And I find out there's a group of people that go against the pastor. And I always find out that it's just untaught people. They don't know enough Bible to know who to side with. Here in Corinthians, Paul warns the Corinthian church of their carnality. We just read it. They were carnal and babes. I preached this message down in the 80s, back in the 80s. I'm preaching to you tonight because you need to hear it. It needs to be preached all across the country because it happens in many churches. It's a shame when a church splits and people begin to uh, just be used to the devil to absolutely split up something that God has created. This is the bride of Christ. You don't mess with his bride. This church does not belong to Brother Che. It does not belong to any preacher and it does not belong to you. We are the bride of Christ and you ought not mess with somebody's bride. Are everybody with me tonight? Well, say amen every night again. You should not mess with somebody's bride. My second wife is down here. I Listen, I, I'm nobody anymore. I used to be a tough guy. I'm not anymore. But you mess with my bride, you better hang on for the first five minutes. That ain't a threat. That's a fact. Now, I ain't what I used to be, but bless God, the first five minutes, you're going to be in trouble for the first five minutes. Don't mess with my bride. And when a church member decides to mess with his bride, you're in trouble somewhere. Folks, listen, we need God's hand on us for good, not against us for bad. And when you're stirring it up and trying to mess with the bride of Christ, you're in trouble. And I want you to look, notice Paul was warning the Corinthians of their carnality. He said, you're babes, you're not spiritual, you're carnal because there's envy and strife and divisions. And in the book of Revelation, we see the book, uh, those, the churches of, of Revelation. We'll see there that all, many churches are mentioned. You know, Ephesus is mentioned, the different ones are mentioned, Thyatira, all those. But the church, listen, are y'all with me now? The church of Corinth is never mentioned. Do you understand the church of Corinth was one of the biggest ones? Why wouldn't, they, why wouldn't the Lord in Revelation just address Corinth and the church of Corinth? They were unbelievable. They came, they came short of no gifts. It was an unbelievable gifted church. But if you read Corinthians, the first 11 chapters, he's absolutely lambasting them. He's knocking the fire out of them because they were carnal. And then in verse 11, he said, you know what? I'll set it all to the rest when I get to you. I'm tired of fussing at you. I'm simply saying there was a carnal church preach. And, and then when you get over there in Revelation, they're never mentioned. They're never mentioned because they, listen, they never made it. The church didn't last. It dissolved. It dissolved. It imploded from within. Are y'all waving today? I preach for these preachers. I preach in their churches. Dr. Tom Malone. 
Dr. Lee Robertson, those great massive churches, they do not exist tonight. They don't exist tonight because they imploded within. I'm simply saying that it's a shame. It's a crime actually. But this is what happens when you allow individuals to creep in, as the Bible says, and we'll get into it in just a moment, and cause disunity. It's not mentioned because it didn't survive. This church failed not because of the onslaught from without, not the persecution from without, but the onslaught from within. Preacher, I, I, I've said it you know, all these years and I understood when I first took Northwest, uh, the thing absolutely exploded the first Sunday I was there. It was a crazy thing. Oh, we were running 104. Then my second Sunday there, I was still going to Bible college. We whittled it down to 31. And it was, it was in a strife when the church had nothing to do with me. It was just the members were fighting like crazy. Just a crazy thing. A lot of rich people in there and they just started fighting and, and fighting each other. And it's a shame. So I'm, I, I've known from the beginning and I've watched enough wa uh, go on in churches that it's not the worldly crowd and the ungodly crowd and the playboy crowd and the drug crowd and the cartel crowd that destroys the church. It's within the church. That the, it's the enemy within the church. Are y'all with me? America will never fall from outside sources. We got too much power. We got too much military power. They're scared to death of us, but it can within, and it is right now. I don't want to get into that, man. I'm, I'm praying, begging God, not for me to get into the political situation, but bless God, we're being destroyed from within because we're letting individuals in here, wicked players, bad players that are coming into our country and trying to destroy it from within. And as long as the church stands for the word of God, it will be ridiculed and talked about about the ungodly crowd. As long as you take the stand, you have people every now and again visit and they'll go from here or they'll, they'll YouTube you and then they'll start criticizing you. Then they'll get on the internet and just slam, I mean, just slam him. And you know, it's got to be true because it's on the internet. Anybody taking a right stand for God Almighty is going to be absolutely killed by the ungodly crowd. Don't worry about the ungodly crowd. That crowd will never destroy this church. This church will be destroyed from within. So you got to guard that. All you men ought to stand up and have enough backbone, enough manhood to say that's not going to happen here. We'll make sure of that. I'm simply saying that we're going to be ridiculed, preacher. I don't mind. I don't mind somebody criticizing me. I don't want it to be true, but I don't mind somebody criticizing me, especially those out there. But that'll never destroy a church. This church will never fall because of the critics from without, only from within. And there's several things I want to talk to you about a little bit tonight and discuss with you out of 2 Samuel chapter 15. I want you to get there and I want you to look at it. Absalom's rebellion. Absalom's rebellion. I want you to see it, if you would, please, in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 1. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so. And when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See thy matters are good and right. Watch this statement though. Against his own father, David. King David. But there is no man disputed of the king 
to hear you. What he was saying is, the king don't love you like I love you. Hint, hint. He don't have anybody deputed, but I would hear you. Absolutely moreover, look at verse four, absolutely moreover, said it moreover, oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come to me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. Boy, that's a, that's a sweet way to do it. Man, he swabbed, man. He had him. Oh, man, come in. Right? Look what he said. Look at verse 6. And on this matter did Absalom to, to all of Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom, so Absalom, look at it. He stole the hearts of the men of Israel. How long? Look at the next verse, 40 years. It took him a long time, but he won the hearts of Israel. Watch me now against his own father, the king. And so we see that that's what he was about. There was something about within, within the family and within that, 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 that kingdom that they had a son, even a son, somebody that was trusted and loved that actually went against his own father. Now, here's a sad story. This is a sad part of it. I want you to look at verse 10, if you would, please. Pick it up in verse 10. Look at it. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then shall you say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. Not David, Absalom. And with Absalom went, here it is. Here's where you ought to mark your Bible. And Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem and there were called and they went in their simplicity and they knew not anything. I think this is very interesting, preacher, to look at that. And uh, he said, when you hear the trumpet, you start yelling, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. Not David, but Absalom. I want you to notice the word simplicity, please. You ought to circle in your Bible. It's talking about innocency or ignorance. What I found out in churches, a lot of people side up with the wrong side because of ignorance or innocency. Preacher, it's a shame that some people would judge the pastor or decisions he makes not knowing all the facts. They'll make a judgment call because that's what they see and that's what they know, but you don't know all the facts. What you need to do is just slow down and understand that sometimes us preachers can't say it all. We don't want to hurt anybody. But when we make a decision, you need to understand that we just didn't do it off the cuff. You listen to me and listen to me well. We are not always right, but for the most part, we are. And if we're wrong, God will correct us in most cases. I'm simply saying that here he was, these 200 men, simple men who knew nothing. Those are the people. Are you listening to me now? And here's it. They, they didn't know enough to know not to go against the king, King David, who was anointed of God Almighty. They didn't know enough to stay with him. They went with Absalom, the pretty boy with the long hair. The Bible calls him beautiful. I'm looking around the congregation now. There ain't nobody guilty of that right now. But anyway. They didn't consider that God had put David as king, not Absalom. I had a young man come years ago and he said, I, 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 in fact, Brother Jack, I think you were then. I know you were. You were over the Spanish church then at our place. 
And they had that young boy come in there, remember, out of Mexico. He came and he went around talking. He was absolutely, he went around talking to all the Spanish people and said, I need to be your pastor, not the gringo. The gringo didn't even know Spanish till he went and married his wife. He, he, wanted, he wanted to marry that Spanish woman, so he had to learn at least to say, would you marry me? But anyway, he learned Spanish and Jack was preaching. He actually learned Spanish, started preaching in Spanish. Well, the Spanish boy wanted to take over and he tried to do that. That's not the first time. It's amazing. Had a split again when Dr. Lewis Ramos was over the church right before you took over there, Jack. There's 150 of my Spanish folks went across town, started, another, started work and it grew to 500. And then in recent years, we had another split. The Spanish guy was disloyal, had 700 of our Spanish folks go across town and join the 500. The largest church in Illinois was Northwest Bible Baptist Church. And the second largest was our split. We multiply by dividing, <laughs> but anyway. Are y'all whipping that? Didn't even know enough to who to side with. Y'all look at me and listen to me very carefully. There's not two heads here. You got one head. You voted the man in as head as a pastor. You probably ought to follow him. You voted for him. You need to understand that. And if you're not careful, you're not going to know who to line up with. And some Absalom's going to show up one of these days and he's going to swoon you if you're not careful and have you to follow him instead of the man of God. You better be careful of that. I'm simply saying they were swept away by Absalom's personality, his wisdom and his charm and his beauty. You need to read about him. The guy was beautiful. I don't know. I've never seen a good looking man. Amen. Never seen a good looking man. And some of you men that have, you stay away from me and don't shake my hand. All right. And so this is important. I want you to listen to me. Churches and kingdoms are not destroyed by the winsome Absalom. Y'all better listen to me now. It's not destroyed by the winsome Absalom's. It's destroyed by the 200 simple men who knew nothing. Those who didn't know enough to line up with King David, they followed Absalom. Those are the one that absolutely destroyed. We've had, we've had a couple of them that had the simple men and we just, and, and end up splitting our church. But a lot of times we never had that. We had some, we had some Absalom's in our church, but they never split our church necessarily in, in our English speaking. They, they just flaked off eventually and went somewhere else because they were troublemakers and they were troublemakers before in other churches they're troublemakers in ours. And where they went, they were troublemakers. Because troublemakers are troublemakers, just simple as that. But in the Spanish department, because it was seg segmented and separated, of course, that was a great opportunity for them, for the simple ones to follow Absalom. It's people who don't know enough Bible principle to know that not to follow Absalom, but stay with the man of God. It's people who don't think. Preacher, most problems come to a church because someone wins the admiration of a group of people in the church. Y'all listen to me carefully. Around a church like this, you ought to be friendly. It bothers me sometimes when folks are not friendly. Not, first of all, you're supposed to have the joy of God. And some of you sorry, you listen to me carefully now. Some of you sorry men ought to get off your amen and say amen every now and again. Your children are next to you and people are listening to you. And if you ain't excited about that, you need to shut up tonight. When the Super Bowl, goes on, Super Bowl goes on, you don't cheer your favorite team, bless God. If you can't cheer the man of God preaching the word of God, you're just a hypocrite is what you are. You'll go to a ball game and get plumb absolutely crazy yelling and screaming. You come to church, look like a wooden Indian. God help you. You say, I'm glad I'm, you're not my pastor. You better be glad I'm not. I'd shake some of you men up. I'd shame you sit there because your wife won't even let you say amen. 
God help you. I'm just simply saying that's what happens. You got an Absalom going around and what they'll do is try to win the admiration of people because they're absolutely cantankerous. The Bible talks about that. They'll win a group of people to themselves. This person will not come as you think. He'll never come as you think. He'll win the admiration. Look, he'll never be cantankerous. If he's cantankerous and had a cantankerous spirit, people will pick up on it all. They're those winsome Absalom's. We ought to have a friendly church. You ought to go around, pump hands and, and, and be friendly. But boy, when somebody, you can see when somebody's working the crowd, preacher, it's amazing. A lot of times it's men who have a good cause. They don't have a cantankerous spirit. I want you to go to Jude 16. I want to show you about these false prophets. Go to Jude 16. Let me show you this. Verse 16. Let me show it to you. Are y'all with me tonight? If somebody was here, you love your church. If somebody was here and just had a bad spirit and just criticized anything, murmured against anything, you'd say, wait a minute, man. What are you? Look, look where we're sitting. Look what God has done for us. So that, that individual wouldn't last two seconds in a church like this. But i tell you who would. A winsome individual would. Somebody that won your confidence would. Listen, somebody that you like could do that. I told the wife, I said, you know, some people, some people, if you like them, they can do no wrong. If you don't like them, they can do no right. So when somebody wins your admiration and you just think they hung the moon, you better be careful of those type of people. I watch them. I, I, for some reason, God's given me discernment and I've watched people like that and I can point them out. Look at, are you there? Jude 16, look at it. These are murmurs and complainers. Preacher, listen, folks, please look up here. There's enough to complain about anything. And not everything, the truth of the matter is preacher, sometimes they say, well, well not everything here is done right. We know that too. And we don't agree with everything that goes on sometimes. Just cool it, man. Chill. Good night, man. This is not a perfect anything. This is not a museum of perfect relics. We have sinners here and the pastor happened to be centered. Trust me, ask me, I'll tell you what a sinner he is. Can't even grow a beard. Anyway, <laughs> I'm simply saying, folks, look at it. Look what it says. There are murmurs and complainers walking after their own lust and their mouth speaking great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Because they're in a place of position, that's what happens a lot of times when a preacher will put people in position. Now they take to the position and not the servitude. I hate to even say this. I pastored 40 years, the same church. We grew from 31 on our second anniversary. We had 504. Our fifth anniversary, we had 1,031. On our 10th anniversary, we had over 2,500. We never had a deacon. Because the deacons that were transferred in our areas of church, they said, preacher, please don't have any deacons. Please don't. When we became deacons, we took the title and we thought we were somebody. And we began to boss the preacher around and the church split and we had so much problems. I said, man, I, you know, I, it's obviously I'd like to have deacons. No, please, please, please. And these guys can tell you, that young man, Brother Che, Brother Jack can tell you, we never had deacons. I had men's meetings, hundreds of men, which set me up for a target. Because after hundreds of men, certainly somebody's going to rise up. They never did. 40 years, we never had a descending vote on anything. You know why? Because we're a unity. Our men understood. And if you didn't want, if you didn't like the church, you just wouldn't show up to the meeting. But we were in unity, man. We gave millions of dollars away over the years, just giving it to people that needed it and missionaries and stuff. We just had a great time doing that, serving the Lord together. We never had that problem. 
But there was always folks in there working in the church in a position because of advantage. Look at it one more time. Men's person that in, in admiration because of advantage. Preacher, you're going to have to watch that people who get in the pro, in, in, on, on a platform or in a position will then use that to win people over to them. That's what, that's what Absalom did. He won the hearts of Israel over 40 years. This Absalom will come in Jude 16, having men's person in admiration because of advantage. It's a person with personality, seeming humble, sometimes championing a good cause. It's not a bad thing what he's doing, but when he's trying to steal the hearts away from the pastor. By the way, preacher, a lot of times this has to do with assistant pastors. They'll do that sometimes. They get jealous like they, they, they want to be the man. I remember Dr. Buchanan told me, he said, son, as my assistant pastor, if you ever sit there when I'm preaching or when I'm doing stuff and you think you can do it better, it's time for you to leave and go do your own thing. And he was right about it. I'm simply saying, folks, that you need to be careful of that. And, and this person has personality, seeming, seemingly humble, and many times championing the cause. Their technique is found in Jude 16. I want you to look at it one more time. Murmurs and complainers. Always got something to say about something. One around with a chip on your shoulder, just got absolutely. Now, folks, I'm trying to help you. I mean, when you go to the doctor, you want to know the truth. I'm trying to help you. I'm not a novice. I've been around and preaching churches all over this nation. I know what makes churches and breaks churches. And what I'm preaching tonight will break a church and destroy a church. And that is not what God wants in Corpus Christi with Heritage Baptist Church. He wants a church to march on for God and continue to do the things you've done. And so we see that. Uh, technique is burners and complainers. I said this before, preacher, when, when somebody gets a burr under their saddle, they then put on jaded glasses. And the very thing they would brag on and why they joined the church is now what they're complaining about. Preach too long. New auditorium. Always talking about money. Wants to go soul winning. Got to sign this. Got to do that. Said if you're singing the choir, you got to dress this way. Something to complain about or to murmur about. You better watch those folks. You better run from those type of people that are trying to bend your ear. The Bible says they'll only go to a fool, Proverbs says. I don't want anybody to come to me making me a fool by dumping on me and putting that garbage in my ear about anybody. So we need to understand that. And many times these people are, listen, preacher, offended people, hurt people. I, I have to teach Kim a lot of times with people, different personalities. Some, listen, please. Every, a lot of times we want people to be just like us. And this church is made up of all kind of different people. And that's what makes it so great. We've got all kind of people. We've got people who can sing. Y'all did such a wonderful job. I can't sing. I sing. Heaven flies a mass, you know, the flag at half mass, you know, right? Spirit of God leaves, right? <laughs> I'm just simply saying that, that the church is made up of all kind of people. But man, these people that are complainers, and murmurs are people that are hurt. Somewhere they got hurt. You got hurt because you're making a public announcement. You don't love the word of God because my book says great peace. Have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. If you have a relationship with that book, as we do, Kim and I, every morning now, every morning, every morning. Now we're not getting up at four like we normally do during hunting season. We get up at four and go through that book. We're getting up a little later than that, but we're in that book every morning. You've got to bathe yourself in that book. And when you bathe yourself in that book, it's hard to get offended about anything. It just, listen, folks, a church like this has this many people. We're always rubbed. I mean, it's, there's, enough, there's enough problems sometimes to 
maybe for you to get offended. My baby was bit in the nursery. Let me tell you what you did when you were that age. You bit too. Why would you leave a church because some child wanted to taste your child? <laughs> That's crazy stuff, man. That's what happens. It, it, it's just, it, I, I've, I've, heard, I have heard it all in 40 years. Uh, remember the king, this, remember this was the king's own son. He was within the framework preacher of the leadership. And it's always the one that you think not always. He won the hearts and admiration of the people little at a time. In fact, the Bible says 40 years he did this. Please remember this. No matter how well liked or how well known or trusted a person is, when he rises against a man of God, you always, he's always wrong. You put her down. Remember those who cause the greatest heartache are those that carry the bag sometimes like Judas. Are y'all with me or no? Have you ever read the Bible and said, Judas, what was he doing with the finances? Let me tell you what Judas was doing with the bag and the finances because all the other disciples voted him in as treasure. That's why. And they voted him in as treasure because somehow he convinced them that he was absolutely trustworthy. So I don't know anything about Judas except what I could read, but somehow he had it going on. He had convinced them that, man, if anybody could be trusted, I could be trusted. And he sold Jesus Christ down the river for 30 pieces of silver. I got more respect for Judas. At least he went out and hung himself. These rock and roll preachers are selling Jesus Christ down the river and not going out and hang themselves. Fundamental independent Bible believers don't sell Jesus Christ down the river. We preach him and we preach him as crucified. And if you'll come to him, we'll understand he's risen and you can be saved by the grace of God. How wonderful is the gospel? I'm simply saying that the heartache will come from the Judas. Remember, he was the one that was trusted. He carried the bag. You watch the subtle attacks against the man of God. I remember, preacher. <clears throat> I hate to even give these stories, but I, I got to give a couple of them. I remember Dr. Buchanan came after Brother Smith had left. Brother Buchanan came, and before he came, he came out of Wichita Falls, Texas here. And uh, when he came to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and he, he already had some meetings booked. And so when he had some meetings booked, uh, when he became our pastor, uh, I was a deacon, youngest deacon there at Central at the time. Uh, he, he flew out and, and he went and preached a revival. I remember we were on a Wednesday night teachers meeting and uh, I, I, we were there and, and all those teachers there and this other deacon came and he says, where's the preacher? I said, he's preaching. I knew about it. I said, he's preaching a revival somewhere. He said, what did we hire an evangelist? Now he said that he could have said that private to me and we could have talked about it. And you don't have to agree with what I do. I don't give a rip. I'll get a, I mean, I won't, I won't lose a half an ounce of sleep off of you disagreeing with me. But when he said that in front of 50 people in there, I said, he just struck out against a preacher that just took the church here in front of all the leaders, a deacon. Now I was something for I was a preacher. I tried to explain it to you. I don't want to go in detail but I was something for as a preacher. And I reached across the table, a table, and I grabbed him by the nap of the neck and I pulled him over the table. And I looked him in the face. I said, you're going to turn around and you're going to apologize to these 50 leaders of what you just said about the man of God. Do you understand? I didn't even know Brother Buchanan that well, but I knew we had voted him in as a pastor and he was the leader now and he wasn't going to talk that way in front of 50 leaders. He said, I'm not saying that you need to do that. <laughs> 
I did. And I'm glad I did. And I think the Lord went, good boy. I'm simply saying that me and that deacon became close friends and he apologized eventually. He apologized to those 50 right there. But I let Brother Buchanan know in no uncertain terms that this guy right here is a Judas. And if you're not careful, he's going to end up undermining you. I'm simply, and he did, by the way, eventually. I remember, I, man, I hate to even go that. Preacher, I'm sorry about the story. I just got to tell it. And so when later on I had left, I had already surrendered. I was on staff. I surrendered, went to Bible college. He did eventually undermine the preacher. And he came and began to question the preacher about it. Where's all this money going? Preacher said, books are open, always open. We hand out financial reports. You can go ahead and. And he said, I want to see them. Brother Buchanan went out with all those books of, <laughs> of finance that he went and he threw them on him. And the guy went, oh my God. He went home and he's working on a light bulb because God had his way of getting your attention. You know, those old chairs with the, like the linoleum back or whatever, the big thick ones, it came unscrewed and they had those big, um, those big back things he was fixing. He fell. And that's all I'll say. You can go ahead and let, use your imagination. He said, I don't agree with that. You can agree with it or not, son. I've been around long enough to not know when you go against God's man, something's going to happen. It's going to wake you up. I'm simply saying that's amazing what happens, preacher, to these individuals. I have now 40 years. I've watched these individuals go against the man of God, and I've watched what happened, and it's a shame. Same thing happened to Absalom, by the way. You see, you have to understand that Absalom did not say his daddy's advice was no good. Are you with me? A subtle attacks, preacher. He didn't say that his daddy's, didn't say that his daddy's uh, advice was no good. He just said, I wish my dad appointed someone to hear your matters. And you see, one of the 200 simple men should have stood up and said, stop a minute. We're not following you. But they hit, none of them were man enough to do that. They were simple. Look at what the book says, simpletons. They were simple and knew not nothing. And so we need to understand that a, in a pastor run church, it will be subtle attacks, strikes against the preacher. This is, what I, this is what I've done down through the years, preacher. What I've done, when I hear something, and they have at times, and when I was a layman, they would come and they would make a subtle statement about the preacher. I'd always grab them. I'd grab them, physically grab them and say, let's go. I, you ask me why the preacher does this? How am I supposed to know? Let's go talk to him. And they would always rip away from me. No. See, they didn't want to know. They didn't want to know why the preacher's doing it. They wanted me to enter into the gossip and into the strikes against the preacher. They wanted to get a little coalition of people. That's what they wanted to do. Are y'all with me now? The problem is I had a man for a daddy and he taught me how to be a man. And I knew better than that. And then I read enough Bible to know that I'm not going to follow some yard bird like that. So I always grabbed them and said, let's go ask, let's go ask the preacher. Why are you asking me? I can't answer for him. He's right there. Let's go ask him. And so I'm simply saying that this stuff has happened down through the years. It's happened in churches. I, I, I get phone calls all the time from preachers. So you see, it was the 200 men who stood with Absalom and not against Absalom. See, uh, what happens, preacher, when they put that jaded glasses on, the music program they used to love, now they can't stand. Uh, the standards, the soul winning. They begin to take pokes, little, little snide remarks against everything. Well, you know, then people walk in the aisle, they don't really mean it. 
or whatever, just a little snide remark, murmuring and complaining. You have to be careful of that. Folks, I'm trying to help you tonight. I'm not trying to smooth you. I have never been a smoothing preacher. I've been one to help churches. And if you'll listen to me, God can do something in your life that'll change your life forever if you'll just understand who you need to stand with. And you stand with the man of God always. I'll say some things a minute to balance this out. But I'm simply saying it's very dangerous to go against the man of God. In 2 Kings chapter 1, Ahaziah, fire consumed them because they talked against the man of God. I want you to go there, 2 Kings chapter 1, if you would please. 2 Kings chapter 1, and look at it. I have a lot of Bible advance, uh, uh, examples I can show you when they go against man of God. You're in trouble, man. 2 Kings chapter 1, are you there? Pick it up in verse 9, look. Then the king sent unto him, Ahaziah had fell through the lattice. He was wondering if he was going to be healed. He sent some captains, look at captain of 50 and 50. And he went uh, up to him and he came to the man of God, Elijah, and then sat on top of the hill. And he spake unto him, thou man of God, the king has said, come down. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, if I be a man of God, let then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy 50. There came down fire from heaven and consumed the 50. Folks, this is not black words on a white piece of paper. These things actually happened. Pick it up in verse 11. Ahaziah sent another 50. Are you with me? What is the second thing they said? Come down quickly. <laughs> and the man of God said, if there be a God in heaven, if I be a man of God, may fire consume you and fire consume them. What was really interesting, and I want you to see it, if you would please, in verse 13, look at it, lesson learned. Do you see it? Fell to his knees and said, oh, thou man, God. I, I don't have it turned there, but you can read it. And basically what it said, would you please? You don't have to, but would you please? Ahaziah really would like you to come down. Would you see lesson learned? He ain't going to go demand of the man of God. You come down. You see, folks, there's even a way to verbalize to the preacher that's a strike against him. I want everybody to listen to me very carefully. I'm not your pastor, but I'm trying to help you. And if this church is going to ever go where it's supposed to, you're going to have to listen to what I say. An old veteran preacher. That ain't Johnny. That ain't Johnny. That's Pastor Che. Thank you. It's Pastor Che. That's who you hired here and voted for, Pastor Che. I don't give a stinking rip how young he is. It's Pastor Che. He's a man of God, too. He's not a kid for sure. It's Pastor Che. Don't get nervous. I'm not nervous. Look. It's Pastor Che. He's a man of God. If he's not a man of God, you need to find a man of God. And I know for a fact he's a man of God, so you need to respect him like that. I don't care if you're grandpa. I know him well enough to know that you older people, he's going to treat you like grandpa and grandma. And that's a good thing. I always did. I treated my older folks like grandma and grandpa. When I, you remember when I first took the church, I said, I don't hug women. I don't hug. I only hug women under six and over 60. Them 60-year-old chicks are looking pretty good nowadays. But anyway, I, so I had, I had to up at like 90, right? <laughs> So anyway, I'm simply saying that, that I mean, what an amazing thing. He, they humbled, he was humbled. Then he said, you know, would you come down? And, and you, you get it. 
Elijah finally came down, but it was the appeal. It was appeal. He, he spoke kindly to the man of God. I want you to understand, remember, Elisha, go to 2 Kings, you're there, go to 2 Kings chapter 2, if you would. You see it in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. A bunch of kids, 42 kids came out and started fussing at Elijah, called him old bald head. You children better be careful not to call Brother Gomez old bald head. I'm going to get a bear to come eat you. <laughs> Y'all don't understand, folks. I used to have a narrow waist, broad shoulders, and a bushy head of hair. I played football a lot and I had them big helmets on and my, my hair was long, stick out of the back. Coach used to say, you need to, you need to cut your hair, son. When you get old, you're going to lose your, head, your hair. Man, I wish I'd listen to my coach on that. <laughs> but anyway, you see it? Are y'all there? Look at 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. Going up, old bald head. Two she-bears came out and ate 42 children. Now, folks, see, here's the thing. You read your Bible to check it off, to get you a little certificate at the end of the year that you read through your Bible. You don't read it and see that there's a, there's a story there. There's something to that right there. What is God trying to teach me right there in those two examples I give and many more in the Bible? That maybe you just ought to treat the man of God just a little different. First of all, we ought to treat everybody with respect. But man, when it comes to your pastor representing God, you really ought to respect him. You really ought to do that. God will bless you for that. And it'll help him to understand that, boy, the responsibility I have. You ask what this is teaching. I just believe it's teaching don't mess with God's man. I want you to look at, you, you know the story about Moses and Israel. They were murmuring. Israel was murmuring. And God said, get out of the way, Moses. I'm going to kill them all. The earth opened up and swallowed them up. Y'all know that story? Respond to me, folks. Y'all know that story? If you know that story, why would you not look at that and say, man, what, what is that teaching? It's teaching that you probably ought to just take it on the chin every now and again and understand that everything's not going to go your way in the way you want it. But man, when they started, when they, when they started complaining, God just said, he told Moses, get out of the way and we'll kill him. Moses said, hey, they're your people. You brought them out of Egypt. He had to intervene Moses had to intervene for the people so God wouldn't kill them. And then there's other times in the Bible you read where Moses wanted God to kill him and God said, no, no, no. <laughs> if, if him and God could ever get on the same page, it'd be pandemonium with them. I came across scores of those that came against God's preachers who are now suffering the consequences. There's something about preacher's blood, preacher, after you taste it. You're not satisfied with anything else. And when you begin to criticize a preacher and taste that preacher's blood, eventually you'll criticize another preacher and another preacher and it never stops. I heard this years ago with some of these boys were coming out of the Southern Baptist Convention, Bob Gray in Florida and John Rice, Lee Robertson, Jack Howes, all those guys were coming out of the Southern Baptist Convention. And Dr. Gray in Florida was having a conference and he was kind of come out and Southern Baptists hated Lee Robertson. They hated because Robertson pulled out. They hated John Rice because he pulled out. And uh, Gray was having a conference and a deacon spoke up and told Gray, he said, he said, if John Rice preaches here, it'll be over my dead body. That's a strong statement to make. The story said that when Dr. Rice's plane, when the Listen carefully. They claim that when the wheels of that plane hit the earth in Florida, that man on the same time, the exact same time, fell over in a 
was dead with a heart attack. And Dr. Rice sat there in the funeral and preached over that man's dead body. I can give you illustration after illustration, even in my own ministry of which that young man has never heard, that man has never heard, Ben has never heard. I can give you illustration. I have never used that in my pulpit to talk about that stuff or what God did to people who went against me. But folks, it happens. It's, it's a real thing. I've seen it happen over and over again. I'm talking about when a, a, a total healthy young man just... And now on the internet, they're just killing everybody that's taking a right stand. But they're going to lose their children. They're going to lose their family. Many times they're going to lose their marriages. It's a shame. I mean, you'll curse your children and heartache to your family. It's not because we're anything super special. It's just we're God's man. God has put our, his hand on it and called. If you're not called to preach, you don't understand what I'm talking about. But when God called, listen, when God calls us to preach, we become his. He's our father. And trust me, when I say this, we get out of line. His hand is big and his chastisement is real. And when he's through with us, we ain't got no skin on our bones. We don't need a layman putting it on us. God will put it on us. Y'all listen very carefully. There are times when preachers need to be ousted. There's times when you men need to get together and say, you've got to go, not him, but a preacher's got to go. When he's immoral, he's got to go. Say amen, folks, do something. When he's immoral, you've got to go. He's messing with the finances wrongly and cheating or stealing, he's got to go. When he's doctrinally crooked, he's got to go. But if he's not, why in the world would you not back a man like that? So there's times when a preacher's got to go, but you need to understand that where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceases. Preaching is something about talk that takes a life of its own. And then when you have the simplicity of the simple ones who knew nothing, they go, really? Really? A simple, dumb person. You're very stupid to listen to somebody that strikes out against the preacher. Oh, really? Has that happened? You don't have any facts. You don't know anything, but you, you're going to, because you're a gossip too. You're a complainer too. You're a murmurer too, and you're going to listen to that. But see, where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceases. Go to Proverbs 26. I'm just about to land, land the plane. I didn't think I could do it this quick. I think I did it. It's a long message. I could have preached it out. I just figured I'd just give you the, the bare bones. Go to Proverbs 26. I want to show you this. Proverbs 26. Look at it. Proverbs 26. Are you there? Say amen. Pick it up in verse 20. You there? Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceases. As coal are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a tailbearer or as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a posture covered with silver dross. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips. Well, what a statement. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips and layeth up deceit within. When he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Well, that's some strong language right there. 
Listen, at any time you come in contact with a disgruntled individual, disgruntled church member, you have been touched by Satan for a spirit of involvement. Let me say that again so you understand it. If at any time you come in contact with disgruntlement of a church member, you have been sucked in. You have been, you have been, you have been touched by Satan for a, spiritual of, a spirit of involvement. That's why I said when, when they would come to me and try to complain, I'd just grab them and say, let's go ask the preacher. Because now I've been touched by Satan to either agree with them and be used of Satan or be used by God. I want to be used by God. I love my preacher. I was a Roman Catholic for 20 years. I went in a booth and confessed my sin to another sinner thinking that he could help me. And I went out and chanted prayers when the Bible says don't chant prayers. I called him father when the Bible says don't call any man on earth father. I did everything against the Bible for that religion. And bless God, we almost worshiped him. And when I got saved by the grace of God, I knew the truth. I said, that man's a man of God. I'm going to follow him as long as he's right. If he's wrong, I'm not going to follow him. But as long as he's right, I'm going to follow him. Not a perfect man, but as long as he's right, I'm going to follow him. I'm simply saying that folks, you need to understand Satan will try to get you to throw another log on the fire. That's what that, those verses mean. Now, if you refuse to put the wood on the fire, the fire will go out. So you say, well, what should I do? Pray about the situation or shame the individual. And that's what I was doing, preacher, because I was come up from a rough background and Cajun fought and drank a lot. When those guys did that to my preacher, I would just, instead of shaming them or, you know, praying for them, I, I shamed them. I wanted to go show them that they were wrong is what I did. So you either shame them or you pray about them. But you see, you, you'll either be an instrument of the devil or an instrument of God. I want you to look at Proverbs. You're there in Proverbs. Look at chapter 20 and verse 3. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife. Are you there? Proverbs 20 and verse 3. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. Maturity is getting to the point not to share bad news. Say it again. Maturity is getting to the point not to share bad news. Y'all look at me now. There's some of your children who go off the reservation. You don't go around talking about them. You pray for them and love them. You don't talk about them. I know all of you that got the little children like this. You tell them, sit up, shut up, do all. They do all that you say, but they're going to become teenagers and then adults one day, and we're going to find out if they're going to stay on the reservation. But if you're critical of those older folks where their children didn't do right, you're going to reap that in your own. If I were you, I'd just be quiet about that. Pray about it and love on them a little bit. I'm just simply saying that, look at it. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. Material is getting to the point of not sharing bad news. I just read my devotions about not publishing in Gath. When bad news comes, we don't have to go publish that everywhere. In a local New Testament church like this, every now and again, something's going to be done. If you're not careful, you're going to talk about it out there and it's going to spread everywhere. Don't do that. Bad news is juicy all the time and exciting sometimes, but that's not what you want to do. You don't want to ever do that. The key is not throwing another, another piece of wood on the fire. The greatest promotion of harmony in a church is to keep your wood in the wood bin. And here's I'm through tonight. Just listen to me carefully. You need to mark those. Mark those that cause division and offenses. So the Bible says, go to, go to Romans chapter 16, if you would, please. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. If somebody stirs it up, preach it, and they're always causing trouble, the Bible says, mark them. 
and don't ever take the mark off of them until they repent and get right. God always gives you space to repent. But man, if they're troublemakers and they're going to be continue to be, just mark them. I, I, I tell people spray them with big orange paint so you know exactly who they are, bless God. Because they will stir it up continually. Are you there? Romans 16, 17, 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. You can't continue to be friends with them. You got to avoid them. Look at it, please. <clears throat> for they are, uh, for they that are such serve not their, the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. There it is again. Those simple ones, those 200 simple ones, they're fair speech. So we're to mark those preachers, the Bible says, and avoid them. And then understand that those are the ones who use the fair speech and try to win us over. Mark them. Never take the mark off them. It's not a matter of grudge or unforgiveness, folks. It has to do with wisdom. Are y'all whipping tonight? You don't take somebody to rob a bank and make him a treasurer. You don't do that. You don't take somebody that's been arrested and for whatever reason and you put them in the nursery, run in the nursery. I'm simply saying that you have to have enough wisdom to understand that. And folks, you should never, nobody should ever serve in those capacities if they are, have problems in those areas. Negative attitudes are contagious, preacher. I'm simply saying that you catch sickness, not wellness. So in verse 17 in Romans chapter 16, the Bible says avoid them. If their attitude changes, you don't have to avoid them, but watch them. We have folks in our church that have come down. I, I, I vet them. I, I talk to them. Sometimes they'll <clears throat> confess to me what they've been into. And I just say, I just tell them this. I said, I'm going to watch you. Jack, are you all right tonight? Me talking about you. Jack came to me. I, I don't how. How old were you, Jack, when you came to me all those years? 20, 28? You, well, you must be like 90 now, right? <laughs> so it was like 28 and he came to me and he looked at me and said, I don't guess you won't want me around here. And he told me what he had done and what he'd been up to and, uh, and what, we won't go into that. But I mean, I just looked at him and uh, he said, I don't guess you want somebody like me around the church here. I said, oh, sure I do. I said, but I promise you, son, I'm going to got my eye on you. If you sneeze, I'm going to shoot you right between the eyes. Now, you say you don't say that. Ask those guys if I don't talk like that. I do because I mean it. Y'all listen to me very carefully. Let me tell you what that man is. He's a protector. And I'm going to protect my church. And I told Brother Jack, I said, don't, don't even sneeze, man. I'm going to watch you very close. I watched that guy serve God. He was faithful. He did the right thing. He was always faithful, always doing the right thing. He showed me that he had repented and everything was wonderful and went and got a beautiful wife, wonderful wife and children. Are y'all with me now? So I could, I could forgive him because he absolutely repented. Are you with me now? I, I, and, and, and I want you to get this. Realize the importance of what I'm saying. Uh, Go to James chapter 3, one more, one more verse, and I'll read, a, I'll read something that I came across years ago. Look at James chapter 3 in your Bibles, please. I love you folks, and I want to help you. God knows I do. I always preach preventive messages, and when God is blessing a church like this, the devil's going to try to get in somewhere, try to mess this thing up. He always is. 
Always does, preacher. Look at James. Are you there? James chapter 3, pick it up in verse 5. Behold, how great a matter, a little fire, a little fire kindleth. How great a matter, a little fire kindleth. I came across this poem or this spill years ago and I wrote it down. I want you to listen to it. The enemy within. A church can survive its onslaughts from without, but it cannot survive treason from within. Well, you can almost insert America here, right? An enemy at the gate is noticed immediately for he is known and he carries his banner openly. But a traitor moves among those within the gate freely his sly whispers sting through all his acquaintance and are heard in the very halls of the church itself. For the traitor appears to be no traitor at all. He speaks with an accent familiar with his victims and he wears their face and their garments and he appeals to the baseness that lie deep within the heart of all men. He robs the world of a church in unity and of one accord, he sows discord among the brethren. He works secretly and unknown in the nights to undermine the pillars of the church. He infects the body of Christ so that it can no longer resist. His ultimate goal is destruction, not construction. A murderer is to be less, less to be feared. What a statement. A murderer is less to be feared. Brethren, I love this church. I love your preacher. I'm so happy when God put him here and God is using the way he's using him. And man, I, I don't preach you if you never have me back, it's fine with me. I, but I want to hear, man, did you hear about Brother Johnny? Man, the thing's filled up, overflowing. They're actually in another building program now because there's so many people coming. I want to hear that because of the unity of Heritage Baptist Church knowing that you have, a, you have a fallible preacher who's not perfect and never will be that's pastoring a bunch of fallible sinners. And I always say, man, if we could just give 10% forgiveness factor on all of us, we'll have great unity and God will bless in a marvelous way. He really will. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.